This is the Colonel Rat Alert. Civil defense information will be broadcast at 640. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Y2K. How can we prepare? Stop a few of their machines and radios. Throw them into darkness for a few hours. We are fighting for our lives. My family must survive. Boom. For five years. Thousand gallons of gas. Air filtration. Water filtration. Coming at you from the frozen tundra that is East Central Alberta, Canada. Streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Rumble, and Odyssey. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. I am Toolman Tim. Today is December the 14th, 2023, and this is episode 409 of Workshop Radio. How are all my fellow delinquents out there? This evening is another installment of This Week in Prepping. We've got some Stranger Than Fiction section coming up. We're going to talk about everybody's favorite conspiracy theorist, Alex Jones. We're going to talk about a tornado. We're going to talk about bed bugs. We're going to talk about five-minute bread. And uh, one other cool thing, we are trying something new. And if somebody, if anybody out there is over or happens to have Instagram open, just got a notification tonight that I can now stream from my desktop to Instagram. So I'm not sure if I closed it. If I did, we'll have it up and running for the next time. But it's great to see everyone here. I love that I can get the workshop message out to all the platforms. And this this, this week in the workshop, sorry, this week in prepping has become something that people seem to be looking forward to. I got a ton of feedback on last week's episode, so we are doing it again. We are going to dive in. First off, this week's opening segment is I shit you not. Everybody seems to love that, and this is where I look at I guess popular prepper phrases, quotes, that sort of thing. And then I do a deep dive into the background of it. So this one's kind of funny. (laughs) And the quote is, prepare for the unknown by studying how others in the past have coped with unforeseeable and the unpredictable. Quoted by George S. Patton. Now, normally... I will be absolutely honest with you guys. I put five to 10 minutes worth of work into my segment called I shit you not. Normally, all it takes is I read the quote. I put it into Google. If I can't find it into uh, just regular old Google, I'll go into Google Groups or Google Books and sometimes chat GPT to find, you know, just where it started from. Anyway, everybody quotes this from General Patton. That's even in a book called Famous War Quotes. The problem is, is there is zero, and I mean zero proof, that (laughs) George S. Patton ever said this quote. Doesn't make it less of a truth. It's just like when we talk about cliches. Just because something's cliche doesn't mean it isn't true. It just means that it's used a lot. And the problem is, is there is nowhere where I can find anywhere (laughs) that it actually is attributed to General George S. Patton. So there's that. But I do love the quote, and I'm going to repeat it one more time for those who missed it. Prepare for the unknown by studying how others in the past have coped with the unforeseeable and unpredictable. I was putting together this episode last evening in my hotel room down in Montana, and I I, I bet you half an hour or more, and there was almost no mention of this quote prior to 
man, early 2010s, nothing in Google Books, nothing in Google Groups, ChatGPT, the earliest, although I, I got to say, I find ChatGPT uh, fairly broken lately. But anyway, so great quote, doesn't look like it actually came from General Patton. So there you go. All right, let's dive in. Next section, next segment of This Week in Prepping is Stranger Than Fiction. And for any of you who have been around the workshop for any length of time, you will notice a lot of these sections have been things I've incorporated into different episodes as time's gone on. And now we finally brought them all together. But this is Stranger Than Fiction. This is where I bring up some of the more interesting news stories. I never want this show or the workshop community to ever become doom and gloom. But I realized... In my haste to ignore the news, I don't ignore the news. So it's not one of those things where I can say, do as I do as I say, not as I do, because every morning I open Google News, you know, two or three times a day, I browse through Google News. So what I'm trying to do is filter through the news and give you guys the things that matter to us in the preparedness world. Hopefully we come at it from a solutions-based perspective, but let's dive in, guys. I got a few to share with you tonight. We're going to add to stage. There we go. We're going to remove that one. All right. So we have, this one is really cool. And this is another one from Edmonton. And there's been some really cool things coming out of Alberta. New home improvement classes give students DIY competence. Now, here's the deal. I love to take courses. You know, I went to, I uh, went and took fighting pistol and fighting rifle at tactical response last year. And some people might scoff and think, well, why would I need to go and take a DIY course? Well, if you do, then, or if you don't, then it's not for you. But this is a really neat idea. And this is actually something that Becky and I have been kicking around a little bit. I'd love to start teaching an online course and maybe a, a briefer version at live events. And it would be something along the lines of repairedness, the art of home maintenance when help isn't around the corner. And this is cool. I went in and I browsed through their website and the stuff they're offering and they're booked up, guys. This is really cool. So it says a new business is hoping to empower homeowners through the art of do it yourself. The recently opened DIY training center offers in-person home renovation and repair training for people who want to tackle more of their own. And they're expanding enough. Well, at the moment, they're in Calgary and Edmonton, which is really cool. And they said people that have homes don't want to pay big dollars out to contractors in that. So they come here so they can learn how to do a lot of the stuff themselves. And this is something, you know, YouTube University is great, but some people like to see it hands-on, in person. Some people aren't comfortable enough taking a huge leap of faith just watching YouTube. And so this is one of those things where a person, a couple, whatever, who's never done this, I think this would be really great for you know, young, well, uh, you know, some of the last millennials and of course the Gen Zs who maybe whose parents also didn't have the preparedness gene and it's a way for them to go and they have, they have um, kind of emergency maintenance, they have electrical, they have drywall. It's incredible. They said, I've been looking for years. Uh, this is somebody who went to it. I've been looking for years to find somewhere like this. So I'm able to do home improvements on my own and not have to call family and friends. And I went through their website and the amount of courses they have. Anyway, I see this as an incredible niche. So there's two things here. Number one, I think it's great because for anybody who doesn't know how to do this kind of stuff, this would open a door for them. 
However, I also see it as an entrepreneurial venture for many folks out there who maybe are on the handy end of things. <laughs> yes, a great big picture here. I, I Don't hold it against them, folks. They do use Ryobi gear. At least that's what it looks like. So, you know, don't judge them based on their uh, tool preference. But some of the stuff they offer is incredible. They do drywalling. They do framing. They bring in trained professionals out of the trades that do this kind of stuff. But this is also an idea for those, like I said, who are handy, who might want to start something like this themselves in their own area. There's, I'm always looking for great side hustles or for somebody to be able to pull themselves out of working for the man and start something new. So either way, I love this. I love both aspects of how this is. I love it being a successful entrepreneurial venture. And I also love that some of these hard skills that definitely aren't taught in government schools or very, very little. I shouldn't say completely not. Some do, but for the most part, no. This is great stuff that everybody should know. And it's a great way to learn it. So yeah, anyway, if you guys are more interested, I might do a deeper dive in a further episode into what they're doing, or I might even try to get them on the show, kind of like I did with Greg last year with the Apocalypse Preparedness School. I love that. And this one would be, uh, this would be every bit as good. All right. So from there, let's dive in. The next one, I don't know if you guys heard, well, you probably did, but there was a uh, quite a bad tornado this week in I think it was this week or just late last week in Tennessee. Yeah, it was last weekend anyway. And uh, of course, the uh, the pop-up ads are always horrible on these. But luckily, nobody within the extended workshop family were injured or affected, at least that I know of. Uh, Brian Young checked in with us to let us know that he could see it from where he was, or at least kind of was close to where it was. But he was okay, and everybody else seemed to be. But man, I don't know. I wouldn't want to be living in a metropolis like this. And I mean, I wouldn't want to be anywhere. I've never, never experienced a tornado. Haven't even experienced like a tiny little tornado. We've had plow winds here on the prairies and things like that, but it was, uh, yeah, I can imagine it was a bit of a scary instance for a few people, but uh, thousands of Tennesseans are displaced or facing prolonged power outages. After a series of powerful tornadoes and storms tore through the state over the weekend, shredding hundreds of homes and killing at least six people, including her, a mother and her toddler. And doing a little more digging on this, there was a map that they showed of the power poles that went. It was just this kind of line of power poles that were tore up by the tornadoes. Wasn't good. Came through quick. I guess there was a few in the area. And uh, some of the power outages, this, the reason I picked this story was there was by Tuesday. So this, um, it happened on the weekend. So we're looking at three or four days at this point, there was still 9,000 people without power. So I ended up having peaked winds of 125 miles per hour. And it said a single tornado traveled nearly 43 miles from the Clarksville area in Montgomery County to Logan County, cutting a path of destruction across both counties. Schools were closed on Monday in Summer County and in Montgomery County through Tuesday, the local districts announced. You know, for me, living in an area that, do we have tornadoes? Yes, we do in Alberta. Are they a huge risk? No, they're, they're minuscule, minuscule risk. But living in an area where they would, um, you know, be more prone, of course, Tennessee, I, Martinson family said, at least it wasn't a Sharknado. Very, very true. Oh, that could have been really bad. You'd have to be awfully close to the ocean for that. But just, you know, your normal preps. And, and that's the great thing about a 
tempting to be prepared is if you're not in the path of the tornado, hopefully most of you or most people out there listening, and if there's somebody out there who's a new prepper, well, this is a good place to start. But hopefully you've got, uh, you know, food and water and a power outage plan all set up. Hopefully you have somewhere to, you know, safely hide or shelter in place if there is a tornado in your area. But just one of those things I I wouldn't want to have to deal with. It said this one actually went through a major, I don't know if they call it a power plant or it was a substation. I don't want to get that incorrect for you folks, but it, it was not good. It was a bad, bad situation. And I hated hearing about it, but I wanted to share it, let everybody know that it didn't seem like anyone in the workshop family or the uh, LFTN or TSP community were affected that I know of. But if you're looking to help out, I'm sure there's places, well, you know, you could donate or go and help. But honestly, the best way we can help is by not being a victim coming out of something like this. So being prepared going into any scenario is never a bad thing. So I don't know if you guys heard, this was an interesting story. I did not, I don't know. I, I wanted to share this. Love Alex Jones or hate him. I'm not the biggest fan in the world. I got to be honest. The dude's wrong more than he's right, but I'm sure he has some instances where he is. But either way, and no matter where you stand on Elon Musk, the fact that he was willing to reinstate Alex Jones on Twitter this week was uh a slight win for the side of free speech. I, you know, I don't care what your message is. You have a right to say it. You, you may not, you, you may not like the consequences if, if somebody doesn't like what you say, but the fact that Elon Musk is a free speech absolutist to me, well, I got to respect him for that. And I appreciate that his, um, that he's opened up X or Twitter or whatever the hell you want to call it to be an absolute free speech platform. And I like that. That's really all I wanted to touch on. So if you hadn't heard, if you hadn't heard, there you go. <laughs> he actually did a poll, which I thought was kind of funny. Close to 2 million votes were cast and about 70% of people were in favor of Alex Jones uh, reinstatement. And <laughs> off grid ping says, I personally think AJ is a CIA controlled op. Well, here's the deal. You know, they say a, a stopped clock is right twice a day. And it's true. You can holler and, you know, whatever. I, I'm never going to judge anybody for listening to the dude where he does. But if you remember back to August and everybody was saying lockdowns are coming in September, Joe Rogan said it. Well, Joe Rogan was copying what Alex Jones said. And Alex Jones, you know, in his Alex Jones voice said, uh, I have my connections. And so whatever you want to think of him, he's been right sometimes. He's been wrong a, long, a lot of time. But the dude deserves to be able to say what he wants to say. And, you know, kudos or pat on the back to Elon Musk for reinstating the dude. That's all I can say. That's all I'm going to say about it. This one was kind of cool, guys. This was an odd. I, I have the uh, Associated Press an app on my phone and there's one segment on there for weird and strange news and i thought this one was kind of cool it's kind of an interesting scenario this was actually from october but the dude it says a man trapped in jewelry vault overnight is freed when timer opens the chamber as scheduled the guy worked for a jewelry a really high-end uh, jewelry store in new york city and he ended up going in. Apparently, I don't know if he had locked behind him or if it had an automatic timer. I would make sure, you know, 
put a door block in there or make sure you have some sort of process or procedure in place that would keep this from happening. Dude goes in, door locks behind him. Firefighters start busting through the cement after a few hours and discover the only way they're going to be able to do it is to start cutting with a torch. They figure they're going to do more damage than it's worth. They're going to make the, the interior of this vault in, not conducive to people being able to uh, live in there, basically. So they're like, you know what, let's just wait. And honestly, sometimes the best thing you can do would be wait in a scenario like this. He had fresh air. It's not like he was going to, you know, completely die of dehydration or lack of food in one evening. And one step closer said, man, I bet that turned into a messy situation. I bet it did too. So they, they basically started, there were some pictures from the story, but it was just interesting. It said fire and police personnel were in communication with the man inside the vault and could watch him on a security camera. I, I don't know. It, I, it would be fun, I guess, be locked in a, a security vault. It, it, I can't remember if it was jewelry. Yeah, it, it was jewelry anyway, but they said they were able to break through the vault's 30-inch steel reinforced concrete walls. The process was started to breach the wall at the vault, he said in a news conference at the scene. But after about 10 hours, the firefighters reached the steel plating and decided to hold off going any further. They basically spent the entire evening trying to break into something designed not to be broken into and decided to give up on it. I mean, beyond just making yourself certain process and procedures to keep you from getting locked in. That's about all I would do there, but it would be fun. <laughs> and uh, yes, um, Chris Dixon says we got to clean up in vault one. Ah, that's very, uh, <laughs> very true. <laughs> and they said the doors opened as scheduled around 7 a.m. To be honest, if they knew they were going to open at 7 a.m., if anybody had a set there and did the math for just a minute at, at how long it would take to break through that wall, I think I probably would have just told the dude to, sit still and not bother because there was a, if you've seen, I think it was on TikTok, the guy was locked into an elevator and basically security just said, Hey, just sit there. You'll be fine for a while. I'd have probably told the dude the same thing, you know, maybe, you know, offer him a good meal when he gets out or something, but it's not like his life was in danger. And honestly, they, like they said, they could have caused more grief by trying to break into it. And Rob DGAF says, sounds like somebody wanted to play with the jackhammer. Exactly. And I get it. You know, folks, whenever something bad is happening, some people are just action-oriented folk. And I'm sure some of these firefighters are like, we got to try to do something. And I get it. But sometimes the right thing is doing nothing. Just sit there and wait a little while. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, the guy got out unscathed. I don't think he's going to be locking himself in the jewelry vault anytime soon. Now. This next one here for Stranger Than Fiction is as Stranger Than Fiction as it possibly could be. I don't know if anybody heard this, and I'm no expert on cryptocurrency, but I do dabble on occasion. The headline for this story is, this Bitcoin miner is set to buy four Canadian power plants. The move allows Hut 8 to mine more BTC, which is Bitcoin for those who don't know, or power high-performance computer applications such as those related to artificial intelligence. So here's the deal. Basically, read into it a little bit. I believe these power stations are in Ontario, and they were going to end up going to bankruptcy court. So this Bitcoin company said, hey, 
We'll offer you a decent amount so that it doesn't need to go to auction or anything. And they bought it. So now, because for people who are mining crypto, it seems, you know, the biggest expense is electricity or having utilities to run it. And these guys are actually flipping the table and saying, all right, guess what? We're going to buy the power generating stations themselves and control our own energy. I love it. I think it's a genius move. It's going to be interesting to see where it plays out. It sounds like in Canada, we have so many regulatory boards that love to get involved in things like this, but it sounds like it's basically been approved. So if you're looking, uh, yeah, dig into this, guys, if you're interested and find out a little bit more. But this is the first instance I've heard of any kind of crypto mining company actually buying the power supplying infrastructure behind it. I've heard of lots of stories in this area of Bitcoin miners hooking up to the natural gas wells or the natural gas flare stacks that are on a lot of oil well properties. But this is the first instance where it's actually a power generating plant. Kind of cool. Now, I got another instance of Stranger Than Fiction that might make your skin crawl just a little bit. And this was the picture I picked for the thumbnail this week. And if I can get it to load, we'll be all set. But it is, uh, have you guys heard about the bed bug infestation in Las Vegas? Not good. I So there's a few things if you're wondering. If you're wondering if you go to a hotel and whether it has bed bugs or not, one of the things you can look for is kind of an orangish brown gunk around the edges of the sheets. There isn't a whole lot you can do because they're so damn small. But if you needed one more reason not to go to Las Vegas, folks, it's this one right here. But it said more bed bugs found at Las Vegas Strip. This has been an ongoing issue. This is a story from November, but it's only gotten worse recently. And they said thousands are expected to travel Las Vegas, blah, blah, blah. But they said, according to a report, a guest staying at the Venetian complained about finding bed bugs on July 29th and moved to another suite. Weeks later, a guest at MGM reported bed bugs to managers there on August 14th. The next day, the room was inspected and it tested positive. And on and on it goes. The, so basically, there's been an outbreak and they are really, really hard to get rid of. So I thought, hey, I'm going to read up on them just so I can share. Hopefully nobody ever has to deal with these. But you basically treat them just like lice. Now, I'm going to tell you, they can be very difficult to get rid of. We had a lice outbreak with our two oldest daughters many years ago when they were going to school in Nova Scotia. And what would happen is you would eradicate them. They would go to school. They would bring them back again. We tried everything. We had high-end, nasty chemical shampoos. We tried washing them in ultra-hot water. We tried putting the bedding, the clothing, everything in the deep freeze to kill them and freeze the eggs. And all of it would work, but honestly, it was all down to due diligence, and it sucks. It's one of the most miserable things. We ended up cutting the girl's hair short, and I just, I, I read this story, and I thought, thank God that I haven't ever stayed in a hotel with bed bugs because I don't know what I would ever do. Uh, they're just so gross. They also said that people should avoid placing their luggage on beds or near carpeting. I mean, they're going to, bed bugs are going to bed bug, right? And they said you should be checking between the baseboard and the mattress because bed bugs don't like a whole lot of commotion. And they said you do have the rights in a hotel to have a safe, habitable space to sleep. I just, anyway, 
It's just gross. Keep an eye out for it. Remember, treat them like lice. Don't stay in shady hotels. But I mean, these are massive resorts in Las Vegas where, yeah, we all know nasty things have happened over the years, but it's getting worse, folks. So, and they said a couple of the other articles I read, this is, believe it or not, a bit of a byproduct of COVID. So they lost, well, a few things, but they lost the manpower. So they had a whole bunch of workers that just left and never came back because Vegas shut down for a long time. And you also have hotels that are starting to become environmentally friendly where they don't clean your room until you switch guests. So you've got less employees, less cleaning being done, and it's all this kind of perfect storm for bed bugs to jump around. So there you go. What an awful, awful story to end with for Stranger Than Fiction. But that is gross. I would not want to end up dealing with an infestation of bed bugs. And if Becky's listening to this, I can imagine she's just sitting there scratching her head because as soon as I mention things like bed bugs or lice, it just makes her poor skin crawl. So, <laughs> all right. Next segment for this week in prepping is one that I've done on and off for a long time called this week in the workshop. And it's basically a fill in on all the goings on in the workshop, both, per, both personally for Becky and I, and, um, you know, professionally, is that the right word <laughs> for content that the end of content things for you. But anyway, this week I've been doing quite a bit of freeze drying so much so that I actually have to stop this evening. I just got back and I had a massive pile of sour cream worked beautifully. I bought a moisture meter for my freeze dryer, which is great. It has two prongs. You stick it in the food, make sure it's dry. Works great. You know, look at it. Okay. Does it look dry? Yes. Is it warm when you touch it? Yes. Great. Break it open. No wet spots, no cold spots. Great. Use the moisture meter. Boom. Four ways to make sure your food or your product is done in a freeze dryer. The sour cream was great. It turned out to just flaky powder, looked like um, freeze dried or potato flakes, that sort of thing. So it worked good. I did, I got some chicken breast from Walmart, I think it was this time. We chopped that up and freeze dried it. Looks just like, you know, uh, sliced up chicken breast that you'd get in the grocery store. So you got that. And I also did mixed veggies. I bought some of the big two kilograms, sorry, in Freedom Units, that's four and a half pounds of mixed veggies frozen. So two bags, two of those. So roughly 10 pounds of frozen veggies filled my freeze dryer to overflowing. So we got all that done. Great. Perfect. However, I am now basically out of mylar bags and I'm out of O2 absorbers. So I've got more O2 absorbers coming. Anyone else out there in internet radio land who does freeze drying, can anybody recommend to me some mylar foil bags that will work really well for long-term storage and seal up nicely. I actually have a chamber vac coming, but I'm looking for maybe not needing to buy the Harvest Right branded bags all the time. Now, if I need to, I need to, but if anybody has an Amazon suggestion for me, let me know. Would love to know. Now, um, my first big mistake, I don't know, I've made a couple of mistakes with the freeze dryer so far, but the first big one was I messed up the chili and I'm kind of sad. So Becky made two great big batches of chili and I wanted to have freeze dried chili in the worst way. And this was one of my early batches I did. 
and I put it in the bag. And after I sealed it up, it just felt different. I don't know how to explain it. And then I noticed that it didn't seal. The O2 absorbers didn't suck the bags in like all the other ones had. And I thought, that's really, really weird. So when I bought my moisture meter, you guys can laugh at me if you want, but when you stick your moisture meter into things, you know, it should say zero. I got it set to softwood. That's the most sensitive um, kind of measurement on it. And it should say zero. Everything else I've done now has said zero. I opened up the chili and I tested it. It said 20% moisture, guys. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know what I did, but that entire batch is going to go in the garbage. I know it sucks. I'm sure somebody will say you could fix it. You could re refreeze dry it, put it in the freezer, sure, but it's set on the shelf for two or three weeks now, and there's a lot of shit in there that, uh, you know, risk for botulism and that sort of thing. No big deal. You live, you learn, you cut your losses, you do it again. So mama's going to make me another batch. And the next batch, I guarantee you, will be dry as dry as dry. I I remember when I did it. That's right. Digger says, Nicole. So Nicole Sauce from Living Free in Tennessee have a Mylar guy. Yes. I think it's discount. I can't read. Yeah, I'll look it up. It's like discountmylarbags.com or something crazy like that. I can't remember. Yep, thank you. I knew somebody in the incredible workshop community could slap me and say, hey, Tim, remember this? And you're right, absolutely. So I messed up the chili, folks. It's going in the garbage. We'll do it again. And that's the beauty of it. What do they say? It's only a mistake if you don't learn from it. If I did the same thing again, well, maybe that would be kind of dumb. What else did I pick up this week? Whole bunch of sour cream for 82 cents for um, what is 500 milliliters. So little, yeah, they're not huge, but not the smallest ones either. So that would be 500 milliliters, what, two thirds of a quart, something like that. We'll call it a half quart of sour cream. So bought 15 of those, turned out I only needed 10 to fill my freeze dryer. I bought a ton of pork chops on clearance in the morning and a bunch of beef strips, I guess. So a couple of tips on that. Number one, the best time, and lots of you folks out there probably know this, but if there's somebody new out there just getting into prepping, the best time to buy clearance meat and anything perishable, first thing in the morning, of course, at least around here. So when I go to Lloydminster, that's the city where our new daycare is open, uh, I go up there in the morning to start assembling. Before I go, I run around and I go to Walmart, Superstore, and Sobeys. Those are the three stores that are up there. Those are the big grocery stores in that town. And I just go through and I look for the labels, the funny stickers that say 30% off or whatever. And Walmart especially will do produce, dairy, and meat. Now, one of the places to look quite often that a lot of people overlook is the what religious meat or the cultural meat. I don't know what you call it. But anyway, sometimes you'll see some kosher stuff for Jews, or you'll see halal. hope I got that right for Muslims. Anyway, I got a ton of stewing beef in the halal section for 30 or 50% off. Saved a ton of money, brought it all home, cooked it all up, and it's ready to go into the freeze dryer next. So two tips. Look in the kind of religious, cultural section of meat if your grocery store has it, and go early in the morning. Beat everybody else there for the rush. And don't forget to check your dairy because at least where I go, they'll mark dairy down to clearance prices two or three days before it's supposed to expire. So 
you know, heavy cream or sour cream or yogurt, cheese, anything like that. It's pretty rare you get cheese in there. But the other day they had a ton of eggnog and I thought, nah, I really don't need powdered eggnog. Not for, anyway, it would have been fun to do, but I just decided not to do it. So there you go. Uh, I took, I just came back. I guess I pulled in about an hour and a half before showtime. I went to Great Falls in Montana. Went down to do one last trip to our mailbox before Christmas, but I also went down to do a little last minute Christmas shopping. Don't tell Becky, but I got her some nice surprises. <laughs> it was actually, it was kind of nice. I was able, it was good to go somewhere that we don't always go for shopping just so I could get a couple things that she doesn't know about. So there you go. Simple as that. Had a good time. Ate a lot of crap that I probably shouldn't have, but back on the wagon today. Had a great day coming back. The weather was perfect. And I didn't buy one, but for any of those who are looking, Harbor Freight has their dual fuel generators back in stock and they have lots of them. The one in Great Falls had five and the lady told me they had 10 more coming. Sounds like the, the recall has passed and the stock shortages have been passed as well. So that's great. If you're looking for one, they did bump the price up. $100. So it's now $10.99 American USD as opposed to the original $9.99 release price. But the thing is just a beaut. It's a beaut, Clark, a beaut. So anyway, there you go. I didn't buy one. Becky told me to go ahead and get one, but I didn't. I, I, I've got too many products that need to be reviewed properly before I dive into that. So there's that. A couple of projects I worked on this week. I built a storage rack for all of my rotating fuel supply. So if you haven't seen that, or if you're not familiar with, I guess it's the Jack Spearco from the survival podcast method, the 12 cans where you label them each with a number for the month, and then you dump it in and rotate it. Well, I needed somewhere to store them. So I built a nice rack out of two by sixes right next to my new workbench. It's just a perfect size, leaves me some storage space above it, but it gives it, keeps them down on the ground, keeps them near the door, away from the heater, all those fun things. Nice, safe spot, but it, it organizes. I love organizing vertically. Uh, yeah. Beyond that, I built some stairs for the doggos. I don't think I put pictures on Instagram yet, but I will. So add me on Instagram if you want to see some of these projects I've been working on. And Sunday evening after the show, I went upstairs and I finally installed some shelves in the school snack cupboard. The thing had been a hot mess for the four years we've lived in this house. And I keep saying I need to, I need to. Guys, it took me 45 minutes to do this. I don't know why I put off some projects as long as I absolutely do, but I did. And now it's wonderful. It is a beautifully organized, don't overlook organization, guys. I know some of you love it and you're like, Tim, you're preaching to the choir here. But I built, I had some leftover three-quarter ply from my workbenches I was building in the garage and they were the perfect size. I got four shelves in there. Beautiful. So now I need to use up some more of my scrap lumber, but it was great. It was a zero job that took me 45 minutes after my interview with Andy. Content this week, we had the top 10 Amazon products of the year. If you've watched that video, that's the third, look at that, I put up four fingers, the third year in a row that I've done that. I have some awesome products. There was three in there that have been on the list every year for all three years. And if you wonder where I get the numbers for that, I base it off of, so, okay. For those who don't know, one of my income streams from content creation is through Amazon affiliate links. 
I have a ton of products over at toolmantim.shop on the website where you can go and look. So if you're wondering, hey, has Tim ever tried something? It's sorely needing an update. But so people go there, they buy it. A small percentage supports the workshop. You go watch a review video on YouTube. You click the Amazon link. Again, it supports the workshop. So I get a year-end report from Amazon and it shows all the different products that people have bought. doesn't say who bought them or where they came from or anything. just tells me which of my products are the best sellers. And so I make a top 10 list each year of the Amazon gadgets that everybody picks up. And of course, everything was under $50. So some cool stuff there. So if you're looking, check it out. Always, you know, I, I love it. I love putting those year-end videos together, even if I accidentally put two voice tracks on one segment at once. And thank you, Carson, for letting me know. Uh, the best I could do is mute it because if I re-upload the video, then I lose all the st statistics off it. And I love our community. Darkwing Dave over on Twitch says, yes, it's discountmylarbags.com is the guy's site. So if anybody's looking for discount mylar bags, <laughs> go to discountmylarbags.com. Sound like one of those um, weekday afternoon commercials on broadcast television where they repeat the same phone number 17 times. So that by the time you leave and go somewhere, it's rattling around in your head. And one more thing this week, and then we'll move on to the next segment. I got a, uh, a nice SOE shirt in the mail from John Willis. And oh my goodness, guys, sent me the most beautiful sweatshirt hoodie, I guess. Anyway, just it's become my everyday wear hoodie. Uh, I think I got it about two weeks ago and I forgot to mention it, but it says um, U.S. post-apocalypse. It looks like U.S. post. It's just, it's it's a so comfortable, the greatest little shirt or the greatest sweater, and it's become my everyday one. I, I've got three or four hoodies from John and I always appreciate it. So uh, check out special operations equipment if you're looking for any tactical gear because John makes great stuff. So thanks, John. Thanks, Amanda, for sending the stuff to me. And I always do my best to let you guys know because I buy a ton of stuff from John and his stuff is built to tow a tank, I would say. All right, next segment on This Week in Prepping is... And we can always thank Brian Alexovich for this name, but it is I Read It on the Internet. Always love this segment. So let's bring this up for you guys here. And so I Read It on the Internet is a segment where we go through and check out this week's best post on Reddit. If you don't know what Reddit is, they call it the front page of the Internet. I don't know if that's still true anymore. But basically, it's a, I don't even know what you want to call it. Um, you know, uh, they just post a whole bunch of things. It's like the old fashioned message boards. That's the word I was looking for. You got to love it sometimes when you get tongue tied, you know, I, I love to talk so much that I just start spinning my wheels here. <laughs> the brain gets ahead of your mouth. Yeah. So anyway, it's this one here is on our preppers and it's probably the place I frequent the most often in Reddit. And if you're looking for a really good resource, there is so much stuff on there. So each week, I'm going to pick one of the most popular posts. We're going to go over it and uh, just pull out a few of the, you know, kind of tips and that sort of thing. So this one was kind of cool. This was posted by, and I always want to give credit because that's important on Reddit and I get it. Oh boy, I, I rhymed the name mean to. Blake C. Akers, great to have you. So this was posted by Just THP. J-U-S-T-H-P, just H-P. Must like H-P sauce on their steak, I guess. But anyway, said, uh, I bugged out for real tonight. I, I like this. This was a cool little 
real world scenario. A violent tornado hit my town tonight. Being on the third floor of a building, we had to take shelter elsewhere. Thankfully, I prepared a bag ahead of time. Great. Love hearing that. But definitely noticed some deficiencies. So this was a real world prepping scenario where the person did some good things by being prepared ahead of time, but also did an after action report, which I love after action reports. When you have to use your preps or you're in a preparedness scenario, it's always good to pay attention to what you had and what you didn't have. So thankfully, I prepared a bag ahead of time. The deficiencies, rain gear, never thought about it, but it sure would have been nice. <laughs> a water bowl for my cats. I had food, but no way to give them water. I've run into that on trips before. Always sucks. And number three, a portable weather radio. Cell service went out in my town and I had no way to get updates in the shelter. Simple little things that would have made their life just a little bit better. And then finally, they said, I also feel like I should get my ham license. Would have been useful since cell service was out. Cool. I mean, the ham is a, you know, a great, nice to have, but not a necessity, but a portable weather radio, a water bowl for their pets and rain gear. All simple things that might easily be overlooked. They said, luckily, we're all okay. We're able to return to my place quickly, but homes were completely flattened a mile away from me. Certainly, I would have had bigger issues if we were unable to return to my home. Practice with your kits, people. Definitely making some changes to my bag after this. Cool. I, I love it. What a great way to share both their successes and their failures. And I do like love Reddit or hate it. There's a great community on our preppers, a very down to earth, grounded, not a, hey, EMP or the world's going to end tomorrow kind of community, real practical solutions. So a couple of suggestions here. One was from Lucky Girl, said they make a great collapsible silicone water bowl, takes up no room. Also actual admin, I got to squeeze one for my dog when we go on long wooded walks. I got him a backpack harness so he can carry it as well. This one said, I made a saddlebag that fits over the pet carrier for their supplies. Also does double duty as cover in the event of bad weather. And uh, this re reviles said, cut almost any plastic container in half, such as a water bottle, milk container, etc. Sadly, there's plastic everywhere in our world. And this one here, barefoot medic. I live in the South and my dog's get pretty hot on walks. I had a silicone bowl, but it broke down. I've started to use unused poop bags as water bowls. If you roll the edges down like a cuff, it will hold a surprising amount of water. I'd imagine a Ziploc bag might even be better because the zip would add extra rigidity. And one more said, Mr. Boondoggle said, those are great. They also make collapsible Dyneema bowls that flat pack and weigh around 0.2 ounces. I keep a little emergency kit in my dog carrier. It's just two Ziploc quart freezer bags. One has dry food. The other has a harness, a leash, collar with tags, collar lights, booties, <laughs> waste bags, a ground steak, 25 feet of cordage, uh, yak cheese chew, spare medications, collapsible dog bowl, and it only weighs 18 and a half ounces, but cover a lot of the basics. I love that one. And I accidentally missed that when I was first putting the show together. But this is a great little emergency kit if you got a bug out with your animals. For us, it's like herding cats, except they're chihuahuas. But yeah, anyway, great little tips for keeping your animal safe and some of the things that you might forget in a scenario like a tornado. This one was probably, if the timing adds up, properly there. It was probably the one for Nashville. But anyway, this person was okay, learned some lessons, and hopefully we can learn some lessons too. 
I love the, I read it on the internet. All right. Next segment, folks. And I like this one too. This is uh, fun. If you have suggestions for this next segment, I would appreciate it. This is the creator spotlight. All right. So what this is, is every single week I try to spotlight a certain content creator that has been beneficial to myself in my kind of prepper walk, that sort of thing. Let's see if we can get you. There we go. That's a better view for everyone. And those in the uh, radio, uh, on the radio only, eh, you know, here we are. This one, if you guys haven't seen it, is uh, New England Wildlife and More. Sorry there. Let's bring it back up for you guys. This is, this guy, obviously he started with a totally different kind of channel idea, but what his niche ended up being eventually is eating really old food. <laughs> the dude is hilarious. He's from New England, obviously. He's got 310,000 subscribers and just about, well, no, a little shy of 600 videos. Eating his big video right here, 307,000 views, eating 60-year-old nuclear bomb shelter find, 37 pounds. Now you might say, Tim... Why is this a good channel? Well, number one, it's highly entertaining. And in the evening when I'm laying in bed and I'm dozing off, sometimes I like to sit and watch some entertaining things. But beyond being entertained, what I really like is this dude is testing the absolute limits of shelf life for food. Things like uh, I drank an 88-year-old penny drink from 1936 or eating the oldest popcorn ever from 1910. How about I eat 40-year-old hash browns from 1978? Beyond being entertained, and I am, I love this channel. What I like more than that is how much he shows the absolute dead limits for food. And he's eaten things that have had weevils in them, or he's come close to eating things with weevils in them, but he's eaten things that are absolutely gross. This is some of the stuff that at the worst case scenario, after months or years post-collapse, these would be the type of things that folks would be eating or, you know, it sucks, but sometimes he doesn't though. Opening and testing 85 year old cream corn, but it's just a really, really good way of knowing what the actual, you know, shelf stable expiration or expected dates for uh, still good would be interesting. I like the guy. <laughs> Plus he's uh he's hilarious. All right. Next we have, let's see if we can bring this up here for you. This is Workshop Wasteland, and I told you guys the story before, but this is where I take a, a look at post-apocalyptic, dystopian media in the prepper sphere. You know, a lot of us are big into audiobooks. Some of us are video gamers. Everybody's looking for a good movie once in a while. And I thought, hey, you know what? Let's, uh, I got three things to share with you this week. Some interesting stuff. Sometimes there'll be nothing. And then other times there'll be all kinds. And I don't know if you guys heard about this. This, this could have been just as easily in the news, but it was the, the day before. And if anybody heard about it, I think I talked about it quickly last week. This was supposed to be an incredible zombie video game. But what it ended up being was an absolute debacle. So this was a game that was advertised on Steam, which is a place where you can buy PC games. They released footage, supposed gameplay footage for months or maybe even years ahead of time, showing how good it was going to be. And when it was released, it wasn't 10% as good as it was supposed to be. It wasn't just broken. It was just a 100% piece of shit. I'm not completely sure what went on here, other than the fact that it almost looks like the company was trying to scam people. They made 
millions of dollars in the first couple of days of sales. And then I believe it was Steam shut it down. It looks like the company's not going to get any of the money, but the company is, they pulled the game and they're, they're going. The main thing about this is the fact that the post-apocalyptic genre is, a, you know, a virtual treasure trove of money to be made and game developers know it. The problem is this looks like it ended up being a complete scam. Basically another piece of vaporware, if you don't know that term games or programs that were supposed to exist that never really do. So I don't know exactly what happened, but just something to hear. I thought you guys would be interested. You know, there's always some scammy, schemy type people in all walks of life. And this was another one. Now, though, this one here, guys, this one is cool. I don't know if anybody's seen it, but Alex Garland, he wrote 28 Days Later, uh, Ex Machina. He's got a few movies that I really, I love his take on things. You know, coming from Hollywood, he is what he is. But this movie here, Alex Garland, Civil War, gets a gripping first trailer. If you folks, I, I can't show it because if I do, I'll get a copyright strike. But if you're looking for a pretty interesting entertainment right here, this one. And I, I don't know if it comes out. Anyway, it, it is A24 is a prestige movie label. They spend a lot of money. They have some really good horror movies, but they just like to make strange movies in general. They've always stuck to low budget films. Not this time. This is one by, oh yeah, Annihilation. So he did Ex Machina, Annihilation, and 28 Days Later. All three, uh, I, 28 Days Later and Ex Machina are two of my favorite movies. And Annihilation was a great sci-fi, trippy horror film with Natalie Portman. Anyway, but this really good two and a half minute trailer I think it would have made a really good kind of HBO show, but this is just a film they're doing and it has a $75 million budget. That's like 75 times what a lot of their budgets are. And it's basically a modern, I don't know if he did this on purpose and you guys can laugh, but it's, I think it's like 13 or 14 of the States decide to secede and they have a ton of technology. And this is a modern day, breakup of the united states it looks really interesting they don't tell a lot in the trailer other than the fact and this is where it goes into complete craziness texas and california decide to secede together i have no idea why all of a sudden everybody's like i ain't watching it because of that my guess is it was done so that it wouldn't alienate the right or the left i don't know really interesting i cannot wait to see it it's got nick offerman in it if you don't know who he is, Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation and our favorite prepper from The Last of Us TV show. Really, really looking forward. I knew One Step Closer. I knew somebody from Texas would have uh, something to say about that. But One Step Closer says that's hilarious. It absolutely is. But the trailer makes it look like a really good movie. Do yourself a favor. Um, you know, cut out two and a half minutes this week to watch the Civil War trailer. Really, really good. Now. The one that I really came for was I wanted to, oh, there we go. Let me bring you back up here. I really wanted to talk about last, I don't know what night it was. Anyway, finished up the show and Becky and I decided to watch the new post-apocalyptic film on Netflix. And it was called Leave the World Behind. It had a killer cast. And I'm going to give you my review, spoiler-free review. But if you are looking for a good apocalyptic kind of dystopian new film 
you could do worse. You know, Netflix really loves these disaster films to put out at Christmas time. Last year, I believe it was Don't Look Up. The year before, it might have been Bird Box. They have, they love their, they know, Netflix knows their audience. These are popcorn fare that like to pretend they're deeper than they are. They're kind of satirical. They're all a bit, they're all over the top. Anyway, leave the world behind. I read the book. Found it on the list last summer. I shared the list in the Telegram group for the book club. And I, I don't know if anybody else read it. I really enjoyed the book. Again, it was very left-leaning. It was a bit on the woke side, but that is totally fine. And it was, yeah, anyway, doesn't matter where that is, but I want to give you this. But before I get into it, I want to share this. I haven't seen this yet. Pick and Hawk, Farmstead, great to have you, brother. Said Twisted Metal on Peacock is awesome. I haven't seen it, but I've heard really good things about a show based on crazy. I don't even know. I never played the video game, but the TV show is supposed to be really good. So if anybody's looking for it, Chicken Hawk shares his thoughts on it. So thank you, brother. All right. So my review, my thoughts on Leave the World Behind. Lots of prepper themes, tons. So a few of them that it deals with, cyber attack, underground bunkers, Needing first aid, always somebody who is, uh, you know, injured and there's some real urgency behind it. No problem. Gathering intel, driving around, chatting with people. The entire movie plays like a bit of prepper porn, but um, if it were written by Hollywood. Anyway, um, doing the right thing could get you killed. Another thought that's in a ton of post-apocalyptic fiction, but it was there. And then the entire idea of misinformation, intentional or unintentional. Play all of those themes play a big part in leave the world behind. Now, there is a prepper in the book or in the movie. Uh, there was one in the book as well. In the movie, it's played by Kevin Bacon. He's played slightly more different. Boy, that was a mouthful. Anyway, he's played differently than in the book, but he is a guy that is designed to add exposition to the movie. He is your typical, I wouldn't say completely crazy, but definitely your typical Hollywood prepper. Enough said. Now, here are what I want to share about this. Number one, the film tries way, way too hard to be Hitchcockian or M. Night Shyamalanian. Just way too hard. There's, if you guys, I don't want to get too geeky, but a Dutch tilt. So in... In movies, when the character or the setting is off kilter a bit, they'll literally put the camera off kilter. So it could be just a few degrees or it could be like in a um, Space Odyssey 2000 where they do a full, you know, rotation of the camera. Either way, they just, it the movie, the movie tries a bit to be more than what it should be. That, that's all there is. That's all I can say about that. It, it just, there's so many weird camera angles. It's off-putting a bit. And that was intentional. No worries. It feels like Stepford Wives. So if you guys have ever seen the film Stepford Wives, which again is satire, it's almost comedic, but everybody is just hyper-realistic. The dialogue's hyper-realistic. The filming style is hyper-realistic. And the acting is a bit over the top. All done intentionally. It somewhat suits the film. But here's the problem I come up with with Netflix films quite often, and I don't want to be too harsh on this movie because it is what it was. But quite often, 
the movies try to be deeper than what they are, or they think they're deeper than what they are. <laughs> and I got a whole bunch of comments in the uh, audience here that we'll get to in a minute. <laughs> so it, they put it out like it's this really, really deep movie. There was all these articles ending explained or the secret meaning behind leave the world behind explained. And, and I'm like, if you didn't understand that after watching this movie, I don't think I can help you. But the entire theme of the film is modern society obsession with entertainment or the escapism of entertainment. And people thought, oh, it's funny because they're bashing Netflix or whatever. <sighs> Take it for what it is. It's a cool theme. I don't hate it at all. The CGI was top notch. There's a ton of really close up shots of CGI deer that look great. They look nothing like the CGI in a lot of other films. So there was some real detail there because man, there has been some shitty CGI in movies lately. They did something with Tesla's in this movie that I had never seen done in film before. I don't want to spoil it because it was definitely different than what happens in the book. And I really, really liked it. Now, Another negative, everybody speaks in cliches. And I get it, it's the type of film it's supposed to be, but everybody is consistently speaking in, how do you want to put it? One sentence, I don't know, like blurbs. So here it is, a few of them. A bunch of lines I wrote down as I was watching it, because I'm like, I got to give you guys a review of this film. I'm nostalgic for a time that never existed. The quiet is so noisy you got to read deeper than page one of the papers and if you're not paranoid now it's too late people don't talk like that in real life it, it's the equivalent of in a cartoon when you know nelson comes to tell bart something in the simpsons and he's like i can't explain it to you i gotta show you and then they spend the next 30 seconds running to see it when he could have told him the whole way there you know people don't talk like that in real life i get it this is a hyper-realized or hyper-realistic film. That's okay. All right. So my rating for Leave the World Behind is a three out of five stars. Not horrible. Very entertaining. Here's the deal. If I hadn't have read the book beforehand, I probably would have given the movie a three and a half or a four out of five. I couldn't help the fact that I watched the entire thing thinking, this is different than the book. This is different than the book. The movie beats you over the head with its symbolism and its deep, supposed deeper meaning. That's okay. But it is a really entertaining apocalyptic film that, again, if I'd have read it, it, here's the problem, I think, is where I fall on Leave the World Behind. The, the, the purpose, the principle, the philosophy, all of it behind the movie felt cheap compared to what was in the the book is ambiguous. There's really no explanation. You don't know what's happening. You're not sure. Is it? Anyway, I don't want to ruin anything, but the movie makes it abundantly clear what is happening, why it's happening, and how it's happening. None of that's in the book. Maybe I like something a little more ambiguous, but three out of five is my rating for Leave the World Behind. Hardway Homestead, Alaska says, uh, Donut says the Civil War movie has a lot of secret codes from the rulers of the planet. Interesting. <laughs> Tons of secret codes and leave the world behind. 
And Dixon said, we watched leave the world behind again after the initial watch. It's not too bad. It it's entertaining. It's fun. There's some prepper lessons in it. It's not nearly as deep as it lets on that it is. It, it thinks it's a smarter film than it is. Let's put it that way. It's popcorn fare. It's typical Netflix holiday movies that have a big budget and think they're deeper than they are. Let's leave it at that. Dixon says the executive producers are the Obamas. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And off-grid ping says the secret meaning for me was the very end. And again, it was, so there's a young girl in the movie who is obsessed with a certain TV show. And she continuously comes back and says it over and over again that she's missing out her stories or she can't watch it because of whatever happened. And so there's that, whatever. Anyway, liked it, didn't love it. But as I watch these films, I'm going to put them, you know, as, as a new one comes out, TV shows, that sort of thing, I'm going to incorporate the my reviews, my thoughts on it in this show. All right, next. Next segment of This Week in Prepping is cookbook of the collapse last week was the very first segment of that and i shared my grandmother my girl's great grandmother my kid's great grandmother glenna's bread recipe love that and i got a ton of feedback on that and i appreciate it and valerie said she loved the story and andy said that he loved hearing about it but he wanted to share so he andy higginbotham did the episode with me on sunday night about how to not become a refugee and he wanted to share his five minute bread recipe so i want to bring that up for you real quick here guys and i think i've got it saved here it's a no kneading bread and it is uh there we go it, five minutes a day to have fresh bread so i put the link to this in tonight's description if you're listening to this in audio it'll be there as well and it's basically just a very simple bread recipe that Again, here it is. This no-need five-minute artisan bread explains how to make homemade bread in just five minutes a day without fuss. Quick, easy, rustic, entirely doable, even by novices, and the best bread you'll ever bake. Jump to the recipe I love when they put... I know everybody. it's such a cliche, but oh my goodness, I cannot stand going to a recipe site and then needing to read why they did it during an eclipse or something. So three cups water. That's lukewarm. One tablespoon yeast, one to one and a half tablespoons of kosher or coarse salt, and six and a half cups of unbleached flour and cornmeal is optional. That's all there is to it. So I saved that link tonight. Now, here's the thing. The reason I'm going to bring this back up because I got a little bit of audio playing in the background. The reason I brought this up is that I would really like from you guys, I would like submissions for cookbook of the collapse. Every week I'm going to share a recipe. Now, what are the requirements? Not a whole lot. They just need to be relatively easy. I really like the idea of them, you know, being typically old fashioned, but they don't have to be. And things that you could make from your preps, that sort of thing. Doesn't have to be, and I'll take any recipe, but here's my idea. Once we've hit 50, maybe a hundred of these recipes from the community, we're going to gather them all together and create a printed cookbook that we can, uh, you know, share amongst ourselves and hopefully sell it through the workshop, that sort of thing. But more than that, I want to, I want to share the recipes and I just shit on somebody for telling stories, but stories are important. So I want to have that 
as something that people can read why this recipe means something to you. So if you have one, you can bring it to the Telegram group. I would love that there. Or you can email me at therealtimcook at gmail.com and I will share whatever recipe you happen to have. It'll be great. All right, folks, next, upcoming events for the workshop. And there's not too much on the go, but there's a few things for the holidays. Number one, tomorrow evening, the workshop watch party. We did this as the second annual. We're going to watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, the best comedy Christmas movie of all time. Absolutely. If you want the invite link, you have to join the Telegram group. And that link is in the description tonight because it will not be playing on YouTube for obvious reasons, folks. But we will be having a party where we watch it. It'll be a great time. Number two, Sunday evening's live stream is going to be um, originating from Nicole Sauce's channel, but it's also going to be on mine and I'm thinking Sean Mills as well. We are doing a business incubator for Willow. If you haven't met Willow, apparently she's a fire breather, which is really cool. But we, I first met her at this year's Self-Reliance Festival and Nicole had the idea. Willow has what she calls a sunshiny personality and she wants to figure out how to monetize sunshine. So we are going to basically do a live discussion with her on how we can help her monetize her life and step away from the system just a little bit more. It's going to be great. Uh, other than that, we've got the Christmas special coming up, which is awesome. I love it. That's going to be the King of the Hill uh, Y2K episode. I, I did get a couple of submissions back from folks who are doing the voices. It's going to be great. And then of course, for New Year's Eve, we are doing the work workshop talk radio. It's going to be 48 hours of a live stream, just audio only. And then we're going to interact through the chat as well. It's going to be great. We'll go from there. So I'm looking for any content creators associated with the workshop or, you know, it's sundry communities. If you'd like to send me whatever your favorite show of yours or your favorite piece of content this year was, I will include it in the live stream. It'll be great. I love it. It was a, a real fun way to celebrate tons of creators in our community. Looking forward to it. And last segment of the day, for lack of a better name, and maybe we'll come up with something better, is the community feedback section. I got a bunch, and I want to share some stuff with you folks. Number one, first off, in our community, I'm not going to name names, but there was a gentleman who I know who had a natural gas outage in their community. They were well prepared to handle it. And, but lots of people in their community were not. And I talk about the, you know, the resiliency of the natural gas grid. And it really is. However, this instance, somebody was digging with an excavator or something like that and punctured a hole and everybody in the community or a significant portion lost their natural gas. Lots of folks didn't have a backup way to heat. Some didn't have a backup way to cook. Oh my goodness. And the biggest uh, comments that I got from this person who dealt a couple of things, but number one was we talk about it all the time, but holy cow, are people unprepared beyond being unprepared, a metric shit ton of these folks had no idea how to relight their hot water tanks, how to relight their furnaces. Oh, just was blown out of the water. Most of them were waiting for the natural gas company to come and do it for them. However, because this person I know does not hate money, they offered their services to the folks for a fee and went around and relit a whole bunch of 
items for folks and made a good bunch of pocket change. <laughs> Had to make hay while the sunshine and they were tired when they were done, but a really cool story to share. And they shared the gospel of preparedness with a few people. And most folks didn't seem too interested in worrying about it, but it's unreal how quick shit can go sideways. And I know here in Alberta, if that happens in our town and it's minus 40, it could mean the difference between life and death. But why not having, why not have a few backup measures in place? And this person mentioned about turning on their electric range to heat up spaces, turning on the dryer. If you have an electric dryer, because a lot of times the power's okay, but the gas isn't and that sort of thing. It just, it blew my mind folks. And it's true. And they walk among us, right? Everybody, but it's our job to help, you know, hopefully help people or, you know, do the best we can. And more than that, educate folks, hey, because my goodness, the people who can't relight the furnace, can't relight the water heater. And if you're one of them, that's okay. There's no shame in it. Ask. Any one of us will help you if we can. And if not, go on Google and figure it out. Watch, watch a video and figure it out because I promise you the time to learn how to relight your water heater or your furnace is not when the wind's blowing and it's how late would it be? <laughs> you know, doesn't matter. Anyway, that's not the time. The time to do it is on a warm, sunny summer afternoon. Liberty late night. Great to see you. Oh, I love those folks. They, I love, yeah, we gotta, we gotta do something together again sometime soon. So anyway, we always good. Always drink a little too much whenever I go on their show. All right. And then excuse me, but I need to, um, read a few things off my phone here because I didn't have time to move them over into my notes, but these were some of the community feedback I got and there were a ton. So if you guys aren't on fountain, I, I enjoy fountain. I still use the app. It's a great way to support the creators that you like uh, a way to give them sats or little pieces of Bitcoin for the content they create. But over there you can send boostergrams, which are comments linked to your tip on fountain. I love them. All right. So these are a bunch I got and they're almost all around these this week in prepping show. And I love doing it. So this one comes from Dan. He says, I'm, I'm loving these shows and the variety of topics. Keep them coming, please. That was for episode 407 this week in prepping. Also for 407 North Star Chris. Great episode. Really wish I had the time to participate more. Well, you know what? You took the time to, to send that. And these type of comments mean so much to me, folks. I love them. One of these comments is worth 10 or 30 comments on YouTube of, dude, you're ugly. Or, dude, your lighting's bad. Or, dude, whatever. Anyway, you know what I'm saying, right? No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, but I love getting these things. This one came from uh, folk, uh, somebody called Bitcoin Plus Food. Salt, sugar, flour. Can't recall the last time I bought or cooked with any of these. These aren't staples in my veggie keto house. Veggie, spices, olive oil, almonds, eggs, wine, cheese. Some uh, doesn't fit the meat eating agenda, but is all homemade and it makes you as fit as a bastard from Spain. I liked hearing that. That was a great one to hear. Next one came from Bad Career Advice. <laughs> There's a local cookie shop that uses fully refined sugar and I can't eat there. I can literally taste refined sugar and it's awful. <laughs> this is a funny comment. It says, yes, I'm writing this with a pinky in the air. And yes, I have more curse words than a soccer playing turned celebrity chef to say about this. <laughs> I appreciate it. And that was from those last two comments came from episode 402 this week in prepping from the week before. But I spent 
so many I, I probably spent a half an hour finding this comment. I am so bad, guys. Sometimes if you don't get a response from me, feel free to reach out to me again. Earlier this week, somebody messaged me. They messaged me and said, hey, Tim, I uh, just want to make sure you got my subscription for Patch of the Month. I didn't get that email. It went to my spam. I got the second one and I responded, said, yep, no problem. They're going out. They actually went out today. I mailed them today. They didn't get my second one. It went to their spam. So I got a third email followed up anyway. So if you don't hear from me, feel free to follow up because I get things all around and it's a mess. And so anyway, I got this message from Rich and it's a great message and it shows that advertising works also, but I didn't earmark it or favorite it or whatever you want to call it as soon as it came in. And I had to look across about 10 platforms tonight to find this, but I wanted to share it with you. And it was really cool. This one comes from Rich. He says, Hey, Tim, I love your podcast. I found you through the survival podcast. I was listening to this particular podcast, I think. And this was on a comment from a short. And they said, um, you mentioned about a guy named Nate from Homestead Ham Radio. I'm having a hard time finding his podcast. Would you be able to help provide a bit more detail? I loved it. And I realized part of that's a branding issue. So let's share. Here we go. Let's bring this up. There we are. So Homestead Ham Radio is a new offshoot of what Nate and Aaron do through Two Chicks Homestead. So if you go to twochickshomestead.com, this is where Nate is doing most of his ham radio. He also has a YouTube channel. And I put the link tonight for twochickshomestead.com in the notes. But I wanted to appreciate him reaching out for that. And he also said, P.S. I also really enjoyed the Franklin Horton podcast and I won't ruin it, but the ending of his latest book blew me away. And then P.P.S. <laughs> I also got turned on to Angry American through one of your older book clubs. I just got his latest book as well. He's up next. Cheers. Folks, I love, love, love hearing comments like that. That means that, I mean, I know that all the work that I put out there is appreciated. And, but more than that, I appreciate hearing back from you guys. So number one, thanks for reaching out because you had a question and I wasn't clear about Nate and Aaron's other business through two chicks homestead. So there's the link for those. And I love hearing that you found an author through the book club. And I love hearing that, uh, you appreciate some of the shows. So thank you guys. I love it. Keep the feedback coming. I want to be able to share it as much as I can across the board with you. So what am I looking for? We're going to be doing this show weekly for the most part. I love this this week in prepping. It takes all of my interests, bring them all together. And there's enough of a change in topic to keep you guys jumping and guessing and all the rest. But if you've got a recipe, submit a recipe. If you've got feedback, send it to me. I will try to share it with you. If you have a favorite content creator, share them with me and I will share them eventually as well. Or if you find cool news stories that you're like, you know what, that would really, really fit into the Stranger Than Fiction section. Tim should share it. Send that along as well. I would love it. <laughs> but beyond that, guys, I already told you what's coming up this week. I appreciate the hell out of you. I Thank you so much for being crazy delinquents just like I am. And don't forget tomorrow night, Join the Telegram group. Tomorrow, I will post the live link for the workshop watch party. It's going to be great. I love it. So hang in there till tomorrow night. We'll get together. We'll drink some bourbon. We'll laugh at Clark W. Griswold and all his shenanigans. And folks, as always, you know the routine. Stay happy. 
stay healthy and have a great week.